It's Monday. It's morning. It's macabre. Welcome to Monday Morning Macabre, the spooky podcast to start your week with Scones and Darcy. I'm Darcy. I'm Scones. And, uh, and we're looking at you, Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> <laughs> we did reply to a Chrissy Teigen tweet telling her to listen to the show. So Yeah, everyone tweet at Chrissy Teigen and tell her to check us out. <laughs> Dear Miss Teigen, I, my, please. <laughs> we, <laughs> please, my family. <laughs> please, it's COVID. Uh, please, I hope everyone's my, doing well. My dead fish. Yeah, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope everyone's making it through this crazy time. Uh, again, another COVID episode. Episode 28, uh, COVID episode number three. So I can't if, you're keeping track of that. I've lost all sense of time. If, uh, if you guys are like, hey, this audio quality is not the same as three episodes ago... That's that's COVID for you, my dudes. It's the world we live in. It's a sacrifice we're willing to make. It is. And today, Scones is going to be presenting some kind of spooky tale, spooky thing, spooky event, spooky something. And he sent me a, a jiffy last night of the Pepe Silvia Always Sunny gif of Charlie Day in front of a bunch of string and... It's... I'm emotionally exhausted after this. It's... I ju- it's... You're pulling at strings, man. You start pulling at the string, and you, you, you think you got something, and you keep pulling, and the whole thing's unraveling, and it was... So he's gone down a rabbit hole, so I'm excited to hear what this is about. So without further ado, I mean, it sounds like we got plenty to talk about. So we do. This might be a long episode. Let's just get into it. All right, we're going to talk about the mysterious death of Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Ooh, Don Henry and Kevin. Those names sound familiar. They might. But I don't... Were they like Were they like <laughs> public figures? No. Oh, okay. Anyway. Never mind. They did then. not have a blue check mark. Ooh, that's probably why they disappeared. All right. So let's start. August 23rd, 1987. 17-year-old Kevin Ives and his best friend, Don Henry, go hunting at night. Meanwhile, a 75-car, 6,000-ton cargo train is making its regular run to Little Rock, Arkansas. The engineer driving the train, Stephen Troyer, notices something on the tracks. Is Don Henry and Kevin Ives... They're, they're, so they're, Arkansas, they're in Arkansas also, right? Yes, they're Arkansas natives. Okay. So this is all happening in Arkansas in 1980s. Yes, 1987. Cool. Continue. So, Stephen Troyer, driving the train, notices something on the tracks. When he gets close enough, it's too late to slow it down. But it's two bodies covered by a green tarp. Whoa. Is it With, and those two individuals, or is it just two random bodies at this point? So, he would run them over and kill, Yikes. or what he believed killed the two people. And it was Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Ooh. Okay, find out next week on Monday Morning Macabre. <laughs> How crazy is that? Pepe Sylvia. No, but, and the only thing that was there was, the, well, first of all, they're covered by a tarp, and there's a uh, Don's twenty two caliber hunting rifle is beside them. So, this it was also on the tracks with them, or no? 
No, it was like, like off to the side. Because I feel like it would be just... Okay, I was going to say, I feel like it would have gotten absolutely messed up by a train. So, obviously, it gets reported. The whole... It's a small... It's not a small town, but the town gets word of it, and they go to a medical examiner from the state. The two bodies. The medical examiner, his name is Fami Malik. Dude, Remy Malik is involved in this? <laughs> Fami Malik, a medical examiner... He looks at both bodies and rules that the death is an accident and that the boys had smoked too much marijuana and fell asleep. (laughs) Yo, bro, I brought this tarp. Let's get blazed, fall asleep on the tracks, and throw this tarp over our bodies. Yeah, it's a blanket. (laughs) That's an insane... It's it's the 80s, so the the war on drugs is well underway, so I think... Yeah, so they're like, bro... People, like a good amount of people believe that for how ridiculous we think that to be today. Obviously, this is the families of the two boys are like, this is bullshit and try to bring this to a grand jury for review, particularly um, what's her name? Mrs. Ives. Kevin Ives' mother. Yes. She is like the driving force behind any kind of seeking out justice for her son. I would be all over that shit. Linda Ives. So they try to take it to a grand jury. Further investigation brought in a second opinion. So they bring in medical examiner Dr. Joseph Burton from Atlanta to look at the bodies. He checks out the How, bodies. Now, aren't the bodies, like, absolutely destroyed? Didn't they get hit by a train? I just imagine they would just be, like, completely destroyed. They're pretty messed up. But okay. not messed up enough that Dr. Joseph Burton couldn't find some interesting things. Okay. He found that Kevin's skull was crushed by a rifle butt. And Don oh. had been stabbed in the back hours before they were hit, in the tr- hit by the train. So we're thinking it's a murder... And then, what an insane way to, like, usually if you were to murder somebody, you try to hide the bodies. In this scenario, like, I would believe it if they were like, oh, we put them on the track so they would be, like, completely disfigured and unable to be identified. But if you put them under a tarp, that's just the suspicion is immediate. You know? I agree. Like, that's wild. Okay, so it sounds... Especially if your alibi was, like... They smoked too much weed. <laughs> yeah, like what? Well, I guess at that point it wasn't. It was. Was this Fami's doing? Because like that's how botched that sounds to me. So Where he's just like, ah, oh, they just smoked too much grass, brother. Burton, our guy from Atlanta, also found that Malik had mutilated Ive's skull, sawing it in Whoa. so many different ways, making it nearly impossible to determine what the exact cause of the fracture to his skull was. Although he still estimates it was a rifle butt. All of this evidence is brought to a grand jury who is now considering this a homicide. Yeah, I would too. Wait, so the doctor, it makes, does everything in his power to make it seem like he's in on it? Like, that's what it seems like. That's all right. So, big, big question mark there. So, obviously, love it. You, the listener, love it. You, the listener, are a smart person. And you're thinking, hey, Fami Malik, something's up here. Yeah. It's a little something-something. Hopefully the rest of Arkansas felt the same. Dr. Malik was never punished. I love it. A lot baby. of people believe because he had ties to Jocelyn Elders. Do you know who Jocelyn Elders is? Uh, yeah, she was the Elder Scrolls. Uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> she created the Elder Scrolls? Gate? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> she was the head of the state health department. Oh. And then she'd later Dude, go on it. to be the Surgeon General for President Bill Clinton. You know, who was so, the governor of Arkansas at the time of this 
Ooh, chill Blinton be straight. Chill Blinton. Choo-chooing kids. So Malik would never get in trouble. Elders would talk down any kind of media presence of, like, malpractice or cover up by Malik, and they would even give him a $32,000 pay raise after this. I love it. I love it. This is every episode. More, I love it. More forensic investigators would be brought in to look at the bodies. Seven, in fact, with over 100 years of forensic medical examination between Experience. them. Experience. Yeah. Now, so did they find anything different? So they all kind of find or agree with Burton that it was most likely a homicide and that there was a stab wound and that a skull, Kevin's skull, was crushed before even being put on the tracks. Well, the train could have snuck up on them in the woods and stabbed them <laughs> and then right hit them with Held a rifle. At gunpoint and said, get on the track. <laughs> Thomas has gone rogue, bro. So Dr. Malik has like a history of doing shitty stuff too. Like another guy was like <laughs> Raymond Albright. This was another guy yeah. that was shot five times in the back and Malik ruled the death to be suicide. <laughs> oh, no. Another no, example it's... is James Milam. He was found with a severed head. Like his head was what cut off. F- and they ruled that the head had killed itself the and cut its head off. The official cause of death on a document signed by Malik was that a stomach ulcer killed him. <laughs> my God. This is like morbidly humorous. I feel bad for these people, but And that it's... the dog ate the guy's head. Oh, my God. Dude, uh, how is this dude running into all of this morbid shit unless well, uh, he's involved in it? Let's just say there's a lot going on in this part of Arkansas. Yeah, what is this like? Uh, like, uh, like uh, Gravity no, Falls, Arkansas, going, like, or something? <laughs> like, uh, what is this? Like, uh, yeah, X Files, Arkansas? Of Gravity what is this? Falls, where the medical examiner covered up the severed head. Where the medical examiner <laughs> found the stomach ulcer in the guy's head. That was a wild time on Disney XD. All right. Yeah. So, this is obviously going to a case with the grand jury, a homicide case. Now, I'm going to bring in Dan Harmon. Not the beloved showrunner, creator of Rick and Morty and Community and all that, but Dan Harmon, a former state prosecutor in the state of Arkansas. Nice. So Dan Harmon is going to be a key player here. So remember that right. name. Dan, it's easy to remember. So he's a former state prosecutor, currently a Saline County. That's the name of the county they're in in Arkansas, Saline County. Saline County. He's their prosecutor. Don't- he has a history of domestic abuse. Love it. He's kind of a shitty guy. Yeah, I love I love who we elect here. Great. He tells Judge John Cole, the judge assigned to the case, to appoint him as the special prosecutor. So the guy who's going to be prosecuting... Yeah, the the mother of Mrs. Ives' group. Kind of, yeah. So deputy... Uh, he also has a deputy prosecutor, Richard Garrett. So Dan Harmon and Richard Garrett are like, oh, we're going to do it. Put us on the case. Okay. Many believe that Dan Harmon may actually have a hand in the death of the two boys. Ooh. Ooh, do tell, do tell, so my dear boy. we have a state medical examiner, a state prosecutor, and a deputy state prosecutor all trying to get involved Dude, in this Dude, it's going case straight to the top. And seemingly our suspect, the big suspect. <laughs> we are the big they suspect. They are big suspect. The special grand jury's <laughs> final report was never allowed to be le- uh, released. Judge John Cole decided that the report would not be made public, along with Dan Harmon and Richard Garrett. Damn. So they suppressed basically all the findings uh, of the case, which was against the wishes of the grand jury. And as the case went on, others who were connected to the case would go missing or die. 
So we have come on, bro. Six people who are all considered key witnesses here for this case. Yep. All six would die in the coming years and months. <laughs> I love it. I love. You'd think if the grand jury was not happy with something, like it would, it would, they would overrule. You know, they're the grand jury. So we got two people, two Keiths. One is Keith McCaskill. He was a. W- these are the of the six people who got. Who yeah. died? These are, okay. these two are probably these most are the key important. witnesses. We have Key Keith McCaskill. He was a witness and announced to his friends and family that he knew too much and that his days were numbered. He Yikes. would be killed before the trial was even finished. How did he die? He was stabbed like ninety times in his garage. Oh, so a suicide? Yeah, no. They actually blame it on his <laughs> oh, neighbor, no. a small hundred and forty pound man with an IQ of eighty one. They blame it on him. Seems like a pretty easy scapegoat. Now, Keith Solid. McCastle was a very big man and had been in a lot of fights before. So it's pretty unlikely that right. 140 pound of mentally handicapped like neighbor was coming in to stab so, him a yeah, thousand yeah, times. Yeah, that's yikes. Our next Keith is Keith Coney, who was with the boys the night they were murdered. He would go on and die in a motorcycle crash before the case was resolved. So that one I find less... Uh, were less like suspect. scary, yeah. Less suspect. That's the word I'm looking for. Not, you know, not like he was murdered by. Yeah. Trial finishes up. There's no real justice for Kevin Ives or Don Henry. That sucks. 1990. Introduce a new character in the story. Now, people, if you're not following along with the characters, there's a lot. So I understand. We have Dan Harmon and Richard Garrett. Two lawyers pointed to it. We have Judge John Cole, the guy who, resolved, uh, who resided over that case. We have Keith McCaskill and Keith Coney, two people who were witnesses to the killing of Don Henry and Kevin Ives, but both died before the trial was finished. Now we're bringing in okay. Jean Duffy. JD. She is a, uh, in law enforcement, has like GD? a really good record, really successful. Uh, she is appointed to the 7th Judicial Drug Task Force in Saline County in 1990. Now, so she's just hired to clean up kind of like drug issues in the county and stuff like, you know, what a task force would do. Yeah. First day, her supervisor, Gary Arnold, tells her not to investigate any public officials in any connection (laughs) with drug operations. I love it. I love it. It's kind of like... She's probably like, I wasn't going to. Like, <laughs> she's like, uh, hi, I'm Jean. <laughs> don't look in that closet over there. <laughs> listen, listen, Jean. Don't call this number and don't meet it there at midnight. Um, <laughs> and she established the task force to help, obviously, clean up drugs. And she set up a number of undercover police officials. Now she does all this, and while she's working and doing her job, someone starts to discredit her in the media. Guess who it is? Um, one of the higher up official people, Dan Harmon, Dan, that's that little rascal. So he's basically running a smear campaign in the media to try and discredit her. And she's how long after she starts? Does he do this? Uh, I'm not sure how long after it's after she sets up the task force and puts undercover cops out. Okay. Um, Yeah. That's a really good way to get the like sent off your trail is by being very loud about how you're scared of this person. Yeah, these people are not very sneaky or skilled <laughs> in espionage. Like, like the whole the tarp thing is really where they went wrong. <laughs> yeah, they've from the jump they have been bad at this. Now, Jean Duffy, through her investigations with her task force, discovers that the train deaths might be tied to a drug smuggling ring 
in Mena, Arkansas. Ooh. She How did she discover this? Tr- uh, through like an undercover cop gets word. Oh, I like that. Drug drops were discovered from planes in this area and they were not investigated by law enforcement in the area. All of this started to lead to local officials. Of course. Strings were getting pulled, like I said. And then they yeah, this is like them. some Fargo shit. Dude, it's insane. So, what do you know about Mina, Arkansas? Uh, I know that two people were killed because of drugs going through there. Have you heard of the movie Made in America? Um, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. About Tom Cruise, who plays Barry Seals, who works for the CIA, dropping drugs out of a plane. Guess where he drops or flies the plane out of? Mina. Mina, Arkansas. Nice. I like this. Right. So, again, this all just started <laughs> with two guys hunting at night. Now, you know that they just stumbled upon like a, a either a deal or like a stash house or something. Like, And this whole community, the, the strings are pulled. The strings, guys. I can't get enough yeah, of the strings. Scones <laughs> has to let you know. So... On the topic of strings, Gene starts pulling too many strings. Public officials shut down the task force. That's insane. What, what would, I want to know the reasoning that they use to be like, hey, you're making a lot of sense, so we got to shut you down. <laughs> like, how does that, how, how do they justify these? They wouldn't really. They would just shut it down because they had the power to do that. Gene attempted to reopen the murders of Ives and Henry on her own. But the smear campaign would be so bad that she actually would have to leave Arkansas and become a school teacher. That is bad. Teaching. <sighs> I mean, like, she couldn't. Yeah, I know. I know she, had to, I know. she had to lay so low that she couldn't <laughs> yeah, be yeah, yeah. in criminal justice anymore. Yeah, she had to completely change her entire life because some dicks. Harmon would become the prosecutor-elect for three new districts and launched a whole new media crusade against Gene Duffy and the task force. He would even subpoena the task force. Okay. I really hope there's a resolution that is satisfying at the end of this, but don't give it away. 1993. Saline detective John Brown enters the story. He moves into town, a pretty stellar career as a detective, and he boosts his family there, and he's like, hey, guys, what's up? Obviously, the new guy in town. And everyone's like, don't go to Mina! Like Gene, he was pretty much warned right off the bat by his immediate supervisor yeah. on a car ride. So his supervisor took him out in a car. I fucking love to it. nowhere. And basically, this is this is, <laughs> dude. I saw the footage. I saw the interview with John Brown. He actually said Ooh. this. Like I watched him. This is awesome. He was warned by his immediate supervisor in a car ride. He was like just driving in the middle of nowhere to not look into the murders of Don Henry and Kevin Ives. So how does he bring this up in the car ride? I don't know, because John Brown himself was like, it's been five and a half years. Why would I have looked into those? Like, why did he say this? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're so bad. At, this is comical at this point where they're like... It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Right. Now, listener, we're getting in the weeds here, so try to stay with me. The Ives family reaches out to John Brown, specifically Linda Ives, the mother of Kevin Ives, to look into the murders. John despite being warned, was very disturbed about what, like, the whole atmosphere of the town, and he begins to yeah. look into the files of the deaths of Don Good and Marie you, Kevin John Brown. Apparently, the case file was robbed of all pertinent evidence. In the <laughs> file, course. there were no longer any crime scene photos and no lists of evidence. Dope. You can even look up 
I don't know if you can look up, but the FBI documents would later confirm that he was telling the truth and that all of these files were missing. So the files were missing or the pertinent information was struck from the files? Uh, they were like photos were not in the file. Gotcha. Okay. John Brown would later interview a woman named Charlene Wilson. Now, Charlene Wilson, very key to the story here. She Charlene reaches Wilson. out to John Brown and says that she is a witness. A witness? Yes. And she waited five and a half years? Although I guess I totally understand why you would after every other witness has been suicided Killed? in their garage. Yeah. <laughs> they got suicided <laughs> eight times in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> she tells John Brown a horror story, basically relaying the events of that night. Harmon, or not exactly relaying, but saying that she believes it was a murder and that officials were connected. Harmon would get word that John Brown talked to Charlene Wilson and would obviously go ballistic and threaten both John Brown and John Brown's boss, the chief deputy. Dude, it's so obvious that this is a homicide. Like, there would be nine uh, more separate investigations into the case and all would be shut down. Jeez, like this is not the way you play it, I feel like. By being the super, like, anything. It's just like... Someone's like, hey, uh, hi, I'm like Cheryl. And it's like, I didn't kill anybody. And you're like, okay, this is not how you handle the situation. Like, you got to be way more chill. John Brown would then retire in fear for his family's safety. Yikes. So that's two stellar law enforcement agents that try to do something. Both get shut down and both are basically chased out of town. That's insane. This is so poorly managed by the higher-ups who are trying to cover this homicide up. like That's what I thought, but then also, like, have you ever heard of this? <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> it but it was also 87. Make, this was, like, there's a before... Good amount, if you look at, like, Arkansas news websites and stuff, but I don't see a lot of national news coverage on the goings-on of this. That's true. It is small-town, like, homicide cover-up, so I guess... I guess if the town is small enough, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway. So after John Brown retires, Dan Harmon puts his friend in charge of the ta- drug task force. And You think he would have done that at step fucking one, dude? Yeah. Like, and nothing would on. really come out of it. The task force wouldn't really do anything. So, jump to 1996. So, hey. basically, you have all this investigation shut down. No justice for Don Henry and Kevin Ives. And it starts to go quiet for a few years. And you think it's just going to be this unsolved case. Then something happens, 1996. Dan Harmon, who is like the state prosecutor at the time, arrested on four drug charges, racketeering, and conspiracy. Yes. Yes, fuck you, Dan Harmon. But he's only charged for crimes after 1990. And nothing before 1990, including a certain night in 1987, is looked into. That sucks. Dan Harmon also had a friend who was charged with conspiracy. But okay, the friend's name I didn't get. I don't think it's public. But President Clinton, oh no, it had to be public if he's charged, right? Yeah. Oh shit, President Clinton. I didn't even think of that. Friend was charged with conspiracy, but President Clinton at the time appointed. Uh, so his appointed U.S. Attorney Paula Casey dismisses all charges against the Dude, friend. Dude, I didn't even think about the fact that the at that by this point it's President Clinton and he's got. Crazy pull after being involved in Arkansas oh, politics. Yeah. 
So wowzers. Yeah. And a lot of his cabinet, like Attorney Paula Casey and like the Surgeon General, all have ties to Arkansas as well. So there's a lot of Holy strings. Shit. A lot of strings. Yikes. That's a lot of strings, dude. Yep. Harmon would uh, seal his sentence for 10 years. He would get out of jail and then get arrested again in 2010 with a connection with a drug operation selling prescription drugs near a school. <laughs> so. Wait, wait, which one? Who got, who was the drugs by the school? Who was this? This is Dan Harmon. So Dan Harmon basically from then was like going downtown fast. Yeah. Um, so basically the rest of his life was spent in jail and he's a piece of shit. Good. Now, let's go back to Gene Duffy. The FBI clears her, and she comes back to help with the investigation. Basically, the FBI looked into it, and they were like, wait, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, no shit. you to come help because you were close to the thing. Cool. Total Good. movie moment where, like, they bring back I was going to say, this is, this is very much, like, start of season two. Dude, it's insane. I'm already exhausted just thinking about all this. All right, Netflix, we got, an, we got a new documentary for you, my dudes. Honestly, dude. Christy Teigen, if you want to bankroll it, we're open to talk. <laughs> all right. So... Gene Duffy has a testimony from Charlene Wilson. Mm. You may remember Charlene Wilson as someone who John Brown talked to, who then Dan Harmon like went nuts and shut it down yeah, and chased like, him yeah, out of yeah. town. Right. Charlene Wilson she was a witness. ended up being a recommended informant from the DEA. Charlene goes on to tell Gene Duffy that there were people at the tracks that night when Don Henry and Kevin Ives were killed. The people included Dan Harmon and others in public offices. Yep, I believe it. She says that the two boys were out hunting and saw the drop from the plane and went over to look at what the box was, i.e. the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. Gene Duffy believes her and backs up this testimony. Local investigators would then find... uh, How did Charlene see all this? Like she was just there? Yes, she was there. So we'll get to that. Why she okay. was there. I was going to say, I'm glad there's an explanation. Because this could have been very just made up by this woman, if without evidence. Anyway. Someone comes to local investigators in Arkansas, so this is a separate thing, and tells them that he was there that night. They hand him over to the FBI. The FBI conducts polygraph tests on both Charlene Wilson and this guy, both separate, like they never met each other, and both right. pass. So the FBI officially opens an investigation into the deaths of Don Henry and Kevin Ives at this point. Cool. The FBI put the person who... This is still 96? Is this like later in the 90s? Do we know? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, like 97, 98. So the FBI talks to the man who was brought to them by local officials. His name is Tom Nahaus. He was there with friends. He was 12 years old at the time, and him and a bunch of friends had snuck out. And we're just like hanging out on the train tracks the way kids do. Classic. I remember getting yelled at for being near train tracks as a teen. Same. 100%. And so vivid memory. They heard people talking on the train tracks and snuck up and tried to like get a look because, you know, you're a curious teenager and you're like, what's yeah, going on? Yeah. He, upon sneaking up, names Dan Harmon at the scene. Mm. He saw people with flashlights and saw Dan with other men and the other men were holding rifles. Him and his friends then heard a gunshot and they ran away. Yikes. That is... This is, this is I'm waiting for the... Dude, this is going to be the next Tiger King right here, dude. Dude, it's nuts. So the FBI starts printing up all these files. Nothing really seems to come from it. <laughs> awesome. Like no one is... It, it doesn't get pinned on anyone. 
which is really mm. confusing considering these people are naming Dan Harmon there. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, as long as he's in prison for the rest of his life, regardless, I guess. It, I mean, it's not okay, but like it that isn't, is, gives well, me some solace. The thing that drives me nuts is like there he's not the only player. He's getting the, the That's pin. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, kind of like a, a bunch of other people. It's a less intense. Um, who's the guy that was killed in prison this year? Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, Epstein. A yeah. less, a less intense. And Jeffrey Clinton's Epstein. involved in this one too. <laughs> like <laughs> Clinton's God got damn. his hands in some spooky stuff. So, twenty-three years after Don, the death of Don Henry and Kevin Ives, a letter surfaces. Ooh, this letter is a confession letter from Charlene Wilson. Oh shit. Apparently, it was covered up by any officials investigating this. It was kept from the Ives family for 23 years. Now, it got into the Ives family's hands. Someone found it, brought it to the Ives family's hands, and they were like, holy shit, this person's like confessing to what happened that night. They take the letter. They bring it to the current county prosecutor. His name's Ken Cassidy. So this is in like current times. Yep. He refused to read the letter. And told them to bring it to the county sheriff. Now, why would he refuse to read a letter? Right. That's evidence. Now, he's a county prosecutor. Yeah, that's weird. You think it would really... He'd be interested in that. Because he's in the letter? And why would the, he have them bring it to the county sheriff? Now, they bring it to the current Saline County Sheriff Rodney Wright. Guess who Rodney Wright is? Who? He is the nephew of Dan Harmon. Oh, my fucking God. No. Now, the letter pretty much describes what happened that night. And even in it, Charlene Wilson confirms and confesses to stabbing one of the boys. Can we please say that they made a copy before giving over this letter? I mean, like... I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's digitalized already. Okay. I saw a picture. So I saw she pictures confessed. <laughs> okay, cool. So she confesses to stabbing one of the boys. So she's saying she's involved. Yeah, it's nuts. The amount of files, like, there's actually an FBI file dated 1996. Uh, the FBI says in their files, like, in their records, that they believe Dan Harmon may have misused his authority and Salem County officials covered up the entire incident. So the FBI oh, you think? is saying this. Yeah. They also say that Benton Chief of Police, Rick Elmendorf, so he would have been the chief of police in the area at the time, Judge John Cole, yep. the guy who resided over the first trial, and Dan Harmon were all at Judge Cole's residence the night that they decided Dan Harmon would be the prosecutor for the case. Big yikes. And then they also, FBI has evidence that Dan Harmon and Garrett, his like deputy prosecutor, suggested to Arkansas State Police that any information on the case be withheld. So this is, that's obviously pretty suspect. Well, one, that's suspect because yeah. you don't want the public to know, and two, you do that, like you withhold information to try and see who else knows about this. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're trying, it's like a, you're like baiting people in. Yeah, it's like a, a smoke, you're smoking sure. them out. Sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. You're making a Texas barbecue. All right. So what happened that night? Let's put together some of the pieces. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's puzzle piece this up. Don Henry and Kevin Ives go out at midnight to go hunting in the woods. Now, I don't, I'm not a hunter. I don't know what out is out at midnight that needs to be hunted that you can't get in the day. Like owls? Uh, I feel like <laughs> nighttime hunting sounds owls legit. I don't know. I, yeah, just, just owls and vampires. 
Maybe they stumbled upon a vampire drone. Yeah, they had crossbows. And and- it was just a coffin that fell out of a plane. It's <laughs> like Dracula. <laughs> now that's a cover-up. <laughs> there you Made go. Made us all think it had to do with drugs. So, now, they go out hunting. Yes. Charlene Wilson, Larry Rochelle, and Dan Harmon go out together to pick up the drug drop. Okay. We also have Tom Nahouse and his friends, all like 12 years old, out goofing off. So, we got three different parties roaming... The county. Right. Kevin and Don run into Dan Harmon and his company after seeing the plane drop and going to see what it is. They start arguing and like it gets tense. Flashlights go on. Tom Nahouse and his friends go to see what's going on. So there's three parties all there. Kevin and Don being confronted by Larry, Charlene, and Dan Harmon, all being spied on by Tom Nahouse and his friends. Right. A shot goes off. Tom and his friends run. Right. Okay, so now we bring in two more people. Two more witnesses, Ronnie Godwin and Mike Crook. They confirm that the boys show up at a grocery store that night after being at the tracks. So this insinuates that the shot that went off didn't kill anybody. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Well, wait. The kids showed up at a supermarket? Okay, so Kevin and Don, they he, when the shot goes off, they run away. Kevin and Don do? Yeah, so they're not killed right there and then. Oh, 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 okay, yes, yes. No, they show up at a grocery store and are met with their friend Keith Coney. So that might mm. mean that Keith Coney was probably with them at the train tracks, but it's not, we don't right. know for sure. Okay. Now, Coney would leave the grocery store on a motorcycle. Oh. Two police officers show up, according to Ronnie Godwin and Mike Crook, who are the key witnesses for this part. So the grocery store, officers Campbell and Lane show up to the grocery store. Yep. They begin an altercation with Kevin and Don and end up beating the boys senseless and most likely killed them there. Oh, wait, at the grocery store? Yes. There's no footage or anything? No. Okay. Campbell and Lane brought both bodies back to the tracks to where Harmon and company were waiting. Hmm. Where they would then be as we can assume, thrown on train tracks with a tarp over them. Gotcha. Keith Coney, who was at the grocery store with the boys, would uh, leave and tell Kyle McCaskill that he saw them and that they had been spooked at the train tracks. Now, Keith McCaskill... And that they had what? Like that... Oh, they've been at the train... Basically, they tell Keith Coney that... All the shit they saw? Yeah. Keith Coney tells Keith McCaskill. Now, you'll remember Keith Coney and Keith McCaskill as yeah, the two key witnesses dead. that died. Right. Keith McCaskill goes to the train tracks where Keith Coney told him that all this stuff was happening. So he obviously kind of knows something, too. Now, we know he shows up at the train tracks because Charlene names him in her letter. Ah, wow. That's nuts. That's how Keith McCaskill becomes a witness and becomes a target of murder. Dang. So, Keith Coney, who was so later killed... So, we think Keith McCaskill the, is, like, involved with the group? Yeah, we think that he has something to do with the drug trade in the area. Okay. But, obviously, loosely, otherwise he wouldn't be seen as a liability. Right, man. right, right, right. Now, Keith Coney's mother... I'm guessing Keith McCaskill is the guy who was like, man, I didn't sign up for killing, like, time yeah, bombs right, on right, the right, tracks, right. man. I just wanted to make some money. 
And then yeah, this like, is literally him. a television show. <laughs> like, this is nuts. So Keith Coney's mother, even, like, so he's the one who dies later on a motorcycle. She uh, goes on record saying that her son even told her everything he saw and that he feared for his life. This is obviously nuts, right? Yes. A film is that, like, a documentary is actually made about this. Okay, called, good. I was going to say. It's called Obstruction of Justice. It's very old. I watched a lot of it. Didn't really get to the 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 news front. It's also came out in a time when like like if it came yeah, out now, no it would have been like random, the, yeah, the hottest yeah. shit. Like making a murder. Yep. But since it came out in the nineties, people probably just like hated it. Now that movie comes out. Campbell and Lane, the two officers, sue the filmmaker. Oh shit. Now when you sue someone for making a film and saying stuff about you, you have to prove that you couldn't have done what they said you did. Now, this is where it gotcha. backfires on Campbell and Lane. I was going to say, it sounds... Yeah, okay. The court even sides with the filmmaker after numerous sources said that it's possible that Campbell and Lane were involved in the murders. Awesome. You can even find FBI documents from their investigation that confirm that they believe law enforcement officials were involved in the murder of the two kids. Great. Yes. Well, fuck those guys. It's so fucked up. That's so, nuts. Yeah, basically. And then Arkansas State Police assigns an agent to look into it more. His name is Mike Frost. He's the only agent that's assigned to the case. Uh, he never decided to assign a detective. He says that no one was on the scene when the two boys died. And that all of the helpful witnesses who could have helped him died of natural causes. <laughs> Getting stabbed 90 times in your yeah, garage. What? <laughs> Just a natural, just mother nature at work. Yeah. Mike Frost, that agent that I was just talking about, he would later be arrested for wire fraud and would go to jail. <laughs> so again, dick. gets incriminated for being a piece of shit, but does not get incriminated for the right reasons. That's insane. Yeah. So this whole thing leads me to thinking, like, how can this happen? And a lot of it apparently has to do with just politics of Arkansas at the time being very corrupt. Yeah. And then the president of the United States being in your pocket helps? That Yeah. So that's the craziest part. The FBI, yeah, that part CIA, is what I'm still like. Holy DOJ, shit. DEA, like multiple ABC. organizations all have investigations opened into this murder and nothing comes from it. Like there is so much redacted from their documents as threats to national security. That's so nuts. Like, this is on par, like, the amount of paperwork and redaction and secrecy that went, like, Watergate. into the death of these two guys is on par with the Kennedy assassination. Jesus. And these are just two guys who went hunting at night in Arkansas. Yeah, that means, dude, that's how you know that it leads somewhere. Uh, that's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Wow. After all of this, the FBI's official given statement to Linda Ives is that there was no murder. That's how nuts. mad would you be if all I of would these be, organizations have documents saying like probably it was murder, probably the officials did it, but yeah, the official and then statement like, yeah, that comes from it was like nah, nothing. A lot of people that, believe oh that the official God. statement couldn't involve suspected murder because of clandestine operations that the government was running through Mina Airport, like I mentioned. Right. So it's nuts. That's insane. So jump. That's. We're not done here because it gets oh. it gets even a little bit wackier. We're still right. with dear listener. Thanks me. for staying by. I know it's like a long story with a lot of names involved, but it's it's nuts. You just keep pulling the strings. 
Linda Ives, who's pretty much the hero of our story at the time. Her and Jean yep. Duffy, I'd say, are the heroes. She, on August 24th of 2016, sued the U.S. government agencies involved with the investigations of her son for violating the Freedom of Information Act regarding her son's murder. So that is undergoing. Mm. Oh, that's happening right now. Yes. Do you remember Richard Garrett in the story? I'm going to test if you remember him to see how good my storytelling skills are because I know it's yeah, he was with Yeah, uh, he was with another fellow. Dan Harmon. They're yeah. the prosecutors. So <laughs> okay. he moves out of this part of Arkansas. Someone buys his old house and reportedly Ooh. finds a hidden false safe in his basement with a drug lab. I love it. I love it. I love it. So they got that. How can you possibly forget to clean up your drug lab when you're selling your house? If you got to leave real fast. I guess that's true. Damn. So 2018. This part's nuts. <laughs> Dude, I'm already... Our nut quota has... Nine, we're filling the nut quota, everybody. <laughs> a new witness emerges. Who is it? 1980s WWE I was superstar literally gonna s- Billy wait, wait, wait. Jack Haynes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was going to say, is it like um, like Hulk Hogan? No, but it's someone who used well to be. wrestle against Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It's nice. Absolutely nuts. How does he get involved? He makes a video of himself and posts it online. So he releases a video of himself looking into a camera and saying this. Now, August 23rd, 1987, 30 years ago, I was on the railroad tracks in Alexander, Arkansas. It witnessed what? everything that happened to the two young boys on the tracks. Why did he not report this at the time? Is that? Well, does he like give detail? Like, couldn't he just be saying, like, talking out of his ass? Like, does he provide any kind of evidence or details as to. Let me see if I can play it through the mic and see if it comes out well. If not, we'll just not use it. That's way too low. Hold on. Billy Jack Kane's former World Wrestling Federation wrestler. Today I come with no mask, I come with no hidden voice, I come to you straight face to face because this is reality, man. Don't hide nothing. 30 years ago, I witnessed the murder of two teenagers on a railroad tracks, August 23rd, Alexander, Arkansas. 27 years of that, I was a drug addict on pain pill medication. I become clean. It kept bothering me and bothering me and bothering me. And finally, when Seth Rich was killed July 10th, I knew that was a message to me because that's my birthday, July 10th. So here I am coming forward. So pretty crazy. Okay, so he's just like like making his own just random video of him being like, I saw a murder. But the murder in question just happens to be the same time and place as what we're talking about. Yes. Well, I assume he might know about it, but so he says that he was obviously a huge dude in the 80s. He was on a ton of steroids right. and like he was in the WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was apparently used to take a lot of money to be uh, a muscle for drug drop operations. And a, so he says that oh. a couple people like people would steal when the plane dropped like boxes. People would just run out and grab it and run. 
So he was hired as right. muscle to make sure that didn't happen. Holy shit. He says he was there. Whoa. I know. And this is That's two days nuts. right after he fought uh, King Kong Bundy at WWE Detroit. <laughs> so there's just there's just a massive amount of evidence pointing to a murder here. Yeah, including a WWE superstar, Billy Jack Haynes. And apparently he says he used to also help run drugs. He'd get them in Arkansas. The planes would drop them. And then he'd run them up to Oregon, where he's from. Wow. And no one, like, people in Oregon love Billy Jack Haynes, obviously, so they wouldn't stop him and, like, question right, him. Right, so, yeah, right. Jesus. This is a wild story. He said he was even responsible for laying the rifle down next to the boys when they were placed on the track. What? So he's getting pretty specific. That's, yeah, that's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. And if you have seen Made in America, you know, a lot of these drugs that are flown in by the CIA are flown in from the Medellin drug cartel. So very powerful. That's for those of you who don't Pablo know, Escobar. Pablo Escobar's drug cartel. Yep. So there were a lot of people in very high places involved in this super unfortunate murder of two guys who were just hunting. That's crazy. And that is the mystery of Don Henry and Kevin I's death. I got a lot of my information from that um, documentary, Obstruction of Justice. Uh, I would check it out. There is currently a GoFundMe I'll plug. Oh, uh, a yeah, couple of do it. Uh, it's GoFundMe slash, uh, we'll have it on the page too, slash F slash Kevin Ives dash Don Henry Murders. And it's actually set up by the current private investigator who's working for the Ives family. Nice. And so you can donate to them if you'd like, and he posts updates of his investigations and how uh, stuff's going and trying to see justice for the Ives and Henry family. Good for them. I'm glad that this is still being investigated because it sounds like absolute I'm like losing my voice after all that. Holy shit. Yeah. Linda Ives is like one of the strongest people I've ever read about. She just like refuses to let this die. That's crazy. That it is a. Uh, it was absolutely nuts. That's a yeah. That's a good good detect good uh good journalism. <laughs> Scones, you Thanks, found man. some stuff. Yeah, and I know it got a little lost in the sauce there, listeners. So if you, <laughs> it's very complex. Just uh, feel free to ask because now I apparently know a lot about this. <laughs> <laughs> because this is my life now. I'm quitting uh, my job. Dude, and- it's just my the room I'm in right now. I can't even move. There's just. Yarn strings everywhere. <laughs> wow! 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 Hey, if you guys look, if you guys want to read up on it, sounds like there's a plenty to read. Dig him. That's a that's a hot one to drop on Chrissy Teigen for her first step. <laughs> dear, dear Chrissy Teigen, did we explain at the beginning of this episode why we kept talking about Chrissy Teigen? Yes, I believe we did because okay, I good. think okay. I asked ever all of our listeners to at Chrissy Teigen and tell her to listen. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Anyway, that's that's a... You got a nice, beefy episode this week. 
It's beefy. Yeah, help help get you, you through. If you listen to 20 minutes of this episode, each day of the week, you'd be at the weekend. It's literally Think of it yeah, helping you get through week four of total quarantine in America. Probably yeah, that's week, not, whatever that math other didn't. places in the world. If you listen to 12 minutes of this episode every day this week, you'll be at the weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, that's. I don't think it's nope. that long, but I was... Well, an hour is go. 100 minutes because it's a one. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to check out our socials, Twitter, MMMacabPod, Instagram, Monday Morning Macabre. Hit up mondaymorningmacabre.com and uh, tell us tell us what you want to hear. Uh, we got some comments recently for some recommendations, so we appreciate those, and we'll we'll try to get those into future episodes, and uh, keep spreading the good macabre word. The good macabre word, and again, GoFundMe slash John Henry, Kevin Ives, check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Oh, I'm so tired after that. Have a good Monday. And play us out. Just play us out. Bye. Bye.